This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi everyone, welcome in. We are back. It's a new week of Browns content. We are pretty excited about what we'll bring to you this week. Is The news seems to just never stop with this franchise, which is great. It's news for all the right reasons these days. So we, uh, I know we're coming up on what will be potentially a really tough couple months of content, but I think that this team being in the position that they are in gives us a chance to talk about a ton of different and uh, you know opportunistic things that we can break down for you, give you a preview, and hopefully uh, keep this stuff fresh. And I'm always open to ideas, so if you catch uh, an idea and, and want us, me, whoever, my guests, to talk about it, uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Jake underscore Burns 18, and we will chat about a topic, if it's a good topic. I think I think there's a lot of good questions that come into us at the OBR and a lot of good questions that can be answered on here to go on to elaborate, uh, do different things. Myself and Stephen Thomas will have so many great things coming in these next few months and leading into the season We'll also do a coach's corner with, if you remember, you OBR loyalists, John Stephenson, who is a fantastic coach here in the central Ohio area. We will be doing a coach's corner, chalk talk session, a bunch of fun stuff uh, that we can start talking about the intricacies of football and try to hopefully teach you some things that you can apply to as you view the game, different things like that. So I'm talking with John. We're going to get that figured out in the next few weeks. It'll be a ton of fun. Uh, Also, I should say, this is Sunday that we're going live here, so Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Hopefully you had a great day with your mom or uh, in, in, in whatever circumstance your mom is, is with you. I hope you had a great a great day or if your wife or whatever, uh, the mother of your child. I hope you gave uh, t- took a second to thank them because I think that's wildly important. Spend as much time as possible today with my wife. I know our guests were talking off air and uh, we got to, you know, you got to give a little to get a little. So, uh, you know, a little back rub coming from, from my wife later as a, as a let me talk football for 20 minutes. So hopefully you guys can... Uh, can 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 appreciate that if you're if you're tuning in, taking some time away from uh, the the mom in your life. So if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, the podcast form. Hopefully you uh, hopefully you had a great Mother's Day. Uh, something to talk about real quick uh, is is that we did a podcast last week. I did. I brought a bunch of people in in part one. I'm working on part two, getting people in. It's not always easy to coordinate schedules. We're doing a part two on these players, but I brought a bunch of local beat writers in or people who knew the players the Browns drafted before. You know, before maybe they were big time or spent time with them talking uh, in different, um, you know, in different scenarios in their careers and their time and all that that stuff that I think leads into. I want you guys to know more about the the player the Browns are getting than than just the football player. I don't want you to know about the person. A lot of fun stuff on Anthony Schwartz, Greg Newsom, uh, JOK, all of them so far. James Hudson was in there. We'll get to everybody else later, including Marvin Wilson, 
So pretty excited for part two. I hopefully you enjoyed part one. So check that out. Not going to waste any more time, though. I'm going to bring in Brad Ward. He's with USA Today. Brown's Wire does a great job writing for them. He has his own video podcast and, uh, you know, Blue Wire podcast, All Eyes on Cleveland. He does great work. He inspired me to get into this thing, man. I think he does a great, great, great job. He does great video work, great um, you know, technical side of things. The intro that you hear when we first start comes from Brad. He's, he's been a very nice friend to me uh, starting up this endeavor. So, Brad, how are you, man? I'm excellent, Jake. Honored to be here. Thanks for the invite. No problem. No problem. I, uh, I Yeah, somebody's asking about the retro hat. I don't usually wear flat bills, Brad. I'm, I got a box head, uh, so it's, like it's usually usually not what I do. But uh, we're trying it out, you know, flip, flip it up, sure. doing these things sure. every single day. Got to try to look different so you guys don't think I'm homeless. But um, <laughs> we're going to talk about a ton of things, Brad. Let's talk first about building the Browns. I think people uh, – I think people – People enjoy these, but the, this this viewing to me was next level. I, I I could consume any franchise's draft content in a, in a in a draft board or talking about how they picked players or the selections that they picked players and the moments where they're talking to the player for the first time. That stuff it was really neat to see from a collective angle. That side. What do you what do you think? Um, what did you just give me your takeaways, Brad, of what you thought of this? Because this is really interesting. One of the better ones I've seen them put together. It really was. It was it was excellent. I mean. Um as far as like the draft angle and just watching the guys operate, it really kind of gives you just the warm and fuzzies, like watching, you know, you just feel really good about the organization, watching Andrew Barry, Stefanski, all the guys, right. And, and uh, everybody that was involved and the professional aspect and the way that they are interacting with each other is so it's not, you know, forced, it's very natural. And it just gives you like a great feeling like behind closed doors, that that's going on all the time and you feel awesome about it. Like you see him walking into the one room, Deep Podesta, and it says no titles, no egos on the door, right? And it's like, I just love that stuff, that aspect, the way they're doing everything, their communication with each other. You know, Stefanski's joking around with Joe Woods, like, no more guys for you. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, Stefanski cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stefanski cracks me up. He's got a good sense of humor, very dry, but... uh, you know, those guys, Andrew Barry and him just seem to have like an amazing relationship as far as uh, the back and forth on that goes. And it just makes you feel really, really good about where the team is. For sure. I, I, a couple things stood out to me. Paul DePodesta being really seriously featured. I know Paul DePodesta has been around. He was an integral part of the first Sashi Brown experiment. But and, and really, they weren't doing a ton of video work at that point. They weren't doing this whole series they're doing back then. But yeah. but. Depot was never really been a front and, and f- like a front face of this whole thing. I kind of caught it a couple episodes ago where he was uh, in the uh, live stream or in the um, the Zoom chat. I was like, okay, they put, kind of put his block up there. And sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's unintentional. But like to have him being a focal part of this thing was telling me that a there's unison, right? Like Andrew Barry's obviously the GM. He's the voice. He's the guy who's going to get blamed when everything goes wrong. But he has no issue seating FaceTime, seating whatever to to Deep Podesta. Who listened? If I was working with Paul DePodesta, I would be like like honored. That guy's changed the sport. He's a, he's a critical thinker. He's a smart dude. Obviously, was in charge uh, of, of pushing for Kevin Stefanski originally. I think he's a really smart guy. Like I, I mean, I don't know what you wouldn't like about working with him. Very process oriented human being. I just really enjoyed that they were working together with him and letting him get some time because I do think it's important to see the process. The process obviously becomes or sorry comes from Depot and. Andrew Barry working in lockstep that filters down to Kevin who clearly isn't in, in unison with them. And then it goes to everybody else. It's just a chain of command thing down the line, which is really fun to see because what I noticed is 
and you, you, you should, you know, this Brad and everybody listening to this should know this. There are not always coaching staffs that enjoy being around each other. Like no. there are some, as, as we saw with Todd Haley and, and Hugh Jackson, uh, back in, in the HBO show days, you know, hard knocks, like those guys did not want to go. I couldn't see those guys going out together, getting a beer. Like this seems like a group that is really together and the big picture of things all the way down. Like, okay, so Stefanski t- gets information. He goes tell, to tell Chad O'Shea or, or, or joke with, uh, you know, when Anthony Schwartz was picked to joke with, with Joe Woods about not getting, you know, not getting a defensive player, or, you know, you could tell Joe Woods is in there going to his, his DB's coach to dap him up. Like they're just excited and it trickles down. That's ultimately what you want is to see that trickle down. So really cool, man. And, you know, the guy, I, we'd seen most of those videos of the player reactions and some of that stuff, but yeah. I just, the inside information, like the little things like Kevin Stefanski's face, when they, they, they told Kevin like, Hey man, we're moving up here. We're going to go get JOK. Like that stuff's really neat to let fans yeah. in on and let them see. And we're really, this is stuff that you wouldn't normally get, man. So I was really excited about that, that, that angle. Yeah genuine reaction from him like just straight thrilled with the, the that you know and then d as far as d podesta goes i could listen to him all day like he's my favorite to listen to um when they let him talk on that zoom like you were talking about more d podesta the better you know just like listening to him talk about everything is he's just an interesting guy all around so and it is you you make a really good point about you know guys with egos or GMs with egos that are at the top of that might not be so, you know, eager or not eager, but uh, easy to let the the light shine on guys in the behind him, like deep, like a deep Podesta or you know even the assistants around him. But he doesn't seem to have any issue with that, and that's awesome, uh, you know, all, all the way through. I also thought it was worth pointing out that I was shocked at the beginning in that they were preparing him to draft from the hospital room yeah, should yeah. he be i mean like they were gearing him up with the internet like the mobile internet hotspot. like For he sure. was going to be at the hospital and making the picks if that if it went down that way pretty wild but i trust that they would have figured it out somehow i i guess Crazy. they would have uh they would have used the board in that situation or hold up one finger or two if you want this player or that. I don't know what they yeah, would have done. Pretty wild, pretty wild to think about. But, yeah, I, I do, you know, and, and something that people should do if they have not done so is the Browns post all of the transcripts online. You can go check out and read every single word that the player has said since they've been brought in and had their interviews. And every single time that uh, whoever goes up to talk about the pick, like James Hudson picked Glenn Cook, the VP of player personnel, talked. He's a very enlightening human being. When Anthony Schwartz was picked, uh, Queasy, the the um, I can't remember his title off the top of my head, but he is he's got a great role. He's he's a guy that many people see taking an, a a job leading a front office someday. And um, I cannot remember for the life of me what his role is, but it's obviously above VP of player personnel. It's kind of right below Andrew Barry, uh, sort of an assistant GM, and just just smart guy, man. Very intelligent when he talks about kind of falling under what the company line is and what we're supposed to do, and this is the process. All of that stuff is really unique to hear. And kind of going along those lines, Brad, we're going to switch over to where we almost become the GM. So my task for you before we started this was just what are some moves that you would make? Like if you were uh, in charge of going from here on, the draft has happened, you made the identical picks, you see what the roster is. You could talk about extensions. You can talk about maybe guys that you would be interested in bringing in. And then guys that are maybe potentially some surprising bubble fringe roster names. So uh, I wanted to task you with that. We'll throw up a little graphic that we have. And we both agreed that signing Nick Chubb now, it makes a ton of sense. Explain your side of it, and I'll try to add to the uh, smart answer you give. 
Yeah, I mean, as far as Nick Chubb goes, I'll I'll say this. I don't think Baker. Let's start with this. As far as Baker Mayfield goes, I think it's in both sides, the Browns and Baker's best interest to wait on that. You know, I think more money comes to him if he waits. And I think the Browns probably want to see more data points. Not that they're unsure on him, just knowing kind of the way that they collect, they probably want more data on Baker at this point. I Just my thought that they'll probably wait on that extension. And same thing with Denzel Ward is you want to see him play 14 or 15 games. So I think those two maybe get kicked to next year. But Nick Chubb has to be handled this year. You have to make a decision on it. And I think they should do it before the season starts. As far as the deals that are comparative to him, I bring up Derrick Henry's because he's an elite back in the league, right? And I would think that you would frame this deal like this. Um, And the reason that it makes sense to do it for me is if you waited and you franchise tagged him, you're going to tag him for around $12 million, which is where the running back original tag is right now. So, you know, you play that out over the three years that you could tag him. It looks like a deal like this, right? Uh, Except in this deal, you're willing to give him two of those years guaranteed. And that's what Derrick Henry took. I mean, if you want to even reference running backs, Aaron Aaron Jones took a, a one-year guarantee, basically, uh, thirteen million guaranteed on a forty-eight over four, and he's an elite running back in the league instead of the franchise tag. So really, it's a good position to make a deal with a running, good time to make a deal with a running back right now. The market is good for it because it's right at that franchise tag level. So what's the loss in offering him a four-year, $48 million deal with two years guaranteed, you know, make make it, you know, 24 guaranteed, 25 guaranteed uh, with the signing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bonus and everything and have your out after the second year. So if something goes wrong, you can get out of the deal and you move on just as if you would have signed him to that franchise tag. I think two more years of Nick Chubb sounds really good right now to me. I feel confident in that. And I don't want to, you know, you go down that franchise tag road. It's a, it causes issues with the players. It can, uh, not that, you know, and, and you got to remember that you're not always, I see people a lot of times like, oh, well, Nick Chubb is this kind of guy. He would never, you're not dealing necessarily with Nick Chubb. You're dealing with his agent, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. it, when it comes to money, you're not talking, you can throw personality kind of out the window when we're talking about negotiating for money. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. So you're spot on. Absolutely everything there is fantastic. The back study, the money, the angle. To me, it comes down to, like you said, Brad, what is Nick's motivation to do that kind of deal? Well, Nick's yeah. set to make 4.2 this year, a little over 4.2. So his angle is pay me more now. It's like I can I, I kind of think of it this way. Think of Jose Ramirez. The Indians gave him a deal that got out in front of three of his arbitration years. They bought out three of his arbitration years, gave him a big amount of money up front, and now they have the benefit of the end of the, the next the first two years of of Jose Ramirez's free agency. So that's kind of the the angle that I have had with Nick Chubb. And listen, I am fully on the idea of Brad Everybody who has had a special back like Nick, some people worse. I don't think Dalvin's as good. I don't think Aaron Jones is as good. I think Derrick Henry's kind of right there. CMC is the injuries kind of break him down a little. Like if you have a back that's considered really good in the NFL, everybody signs them. You can talk all you want about don't pay running backs. Don't everybody, Ezekiel Elliott, everybody's paid them. There's not been a team to truly let one of these guys walk. Alvin Kamara, they pay him. I think the Browns will pay them, but I don't think the Browns will get reckless about it. I think the right thing to do is Nick is proven to be an elite player. We think Baker can be an elite player someday. We think Nenzel Ward can be an elite player someday. We think Wyatt Teller is getting toward being an elite player someday. Nick Chubb has proven he's an elite player. You pay him. You get out in front of this thing and pay him. Buy him out of his rookie year, the, the last year of his rookie deal, which he his agent comes to him, says to him, hey, man, instead of 4.2 this year, we're going to get you $12.5 million. Okay, let's do it. Now, the Browns probably say, we also have to keep in mind the risk-reward of this operation. He's going to play this year at 25. We're going to give him his 25. He's going to get 25, 26, 27. Maybe they give him, I would feel comfortable paying Nick through 27. Then you start to say, okay, he has had an ACL tear before. What does he look like at that point? We can again, again at that point, we can sort of look at it. Does he want it? Does he? Is he worth another deal? Is he worth that fourth year? So your two years probably really safe. I would feel comfortable with three. I would feel comfortable okay. getting him to tw- through twenty six. It's just me. I feel comfortable getting him through twenty seven. His birthday is like December 26, 27, 28, something like the very end of the year. So he's going to play almost all of this season at twenty five, and then a couple months of his twenty twenty age twenty six when they win the Super Bowl, he'll play those two months uh, at age twenty six. So hopefully, you guys picked up on what I put down there. So like, <laughs> what I'm getting at is he's still like twenty seven is like the max of the prime of a running back. It gets to twenty eight, it's like hmm. Okay, let's see what he looks like. Some guys keep going. Some Adrian Peterson guys keep going. Nick might be that guy. He might be a freak that can keep producing because he's so patient, so vision-oriented, very controlled. He does those things well. So, like, in my opinion, getting out in front of a Nick Chubb extension should be the primary objective right now. Like, I'm all about that. Because Baker's coming. I think it's going to happen. I don't think you need to rush it, and I don't think Baker's into rushing it. I think Denzel's got to prove he can be healthy. He's good. He's very good. He's very good to almost elite. He's got to continue to show he can get healthy, stay healthy. They can find a number for him. Wyatt Teller gets dicey. I don't know if they're going to skimp at a position. Skimping at guard makes sense, but there's going to be interest. They're going to talk. So we'll see. And there's ways that they can get out of guys. They can get out of Austin Hooper's deal after next year. They can get out of some deals that are a little bit chunky in terms of, of cap hit. But like the deal that Stone Cold Lock makes sense to me is Nick Chubb. You got to get it done. You got to get it done because it benefits Nick to get out of a 4.2 year to a 12 point something number. And you can kind of work it to where it's not going to hurt you when miles number becomes massive when baker's number becomes really big you can work around that to make it happen so again you you might be anti sign nick chubb you might be anti give the brown give the running back a second contract but i think based on every single thing we've seen if the browns were to buck that trend and not give nick chubb a second deal 
man, I'd be really surprised because he's too good. He's not a fringe Adam Jones type guy. He is the real deal. If he got Derrick Henry volume of carries, which I think I said this on Twitter like a week ago, at some point it's going to happen. Some like Stefanski's just going to say, screw it. We're riding this guy. Whether that means Kareem Hunt got hurt or something, whatever, like they're just going to give him 200 or like close to 300 carries and say, go man, do your thing. And he's going to run for like 2,200 yards. He's that good. So, um, I just think it's the right time to get out in front of it. He hasn't gone super crazy in a single season yet. He's had a good year. His second year was a fantastic season, but it wasn't like 1,900 yards. So right. I'm with you. So the Nick Chubb stuff, we'll keep talking about this through the offseason. You, you go ahead if you got something else to add. I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned the third year, and you could even do that like with like a half a year, half of that year guaranteed. So you could like do like 30 million guaranteed, sure. right? And so sure. that way, even if you disaster does strike, you have $6 million dead money, right? But instead of the whole year or whatever. But more than likely, you know, he's coming back for the third year because you gave him that money, that extra half a, half a year. You know what I mean? So I think that sure. makes a lot of sense. Talk sure. to me about who you would add. You, we, we both address the corner room. We looked at the roster, and we think there's one clear position that they need to address that's corner. The argument from there, Brad, is do they add an inside or do they add an outside corner? Because there's people going on both sides of this tangent. I'm curious your opinion, then we'll talk. Yeah, so, you know, going back to the corner room again is probably people are like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me, because I was kind of banging the table about the corner room for a long time before the draft, but I mm -hmm. still think it needs addressed more. Uh, as far as the depth there, if you go to the inside, Troy Hill's going to be your nickelback corner. He's going to start in the slot. He can play outside. So immediately he gives you some depth outside. Were there to be an injury to the three guys that are out there, right? I'll so add to Brad. Something people need to remember. We are not saying that Troy Hill is not an in He's their nickel. He is their yeah, nickel. But is. everything he's done before last season, everything he did was play outside. If you go back and look at his snaps at Pro Football Focus Data – Everything he did was outside, and then when Nikel Roby Coleman moved on last year, he bumped inside, had a great year. He's going to play inside. What Brad is getting at is that he has outside experience in a pinch, so keep going. Yeah, that's exactly right. So he can do both, and that makes him really extremely valuable. So he provides some depth on the outside should there be a couple of injuries, which is what it would take, right? The problem sure. is none of the guys that play outside for the Browns, when you look at Greedy and Newsom and Ward, really can play inside. So you have to add somebody else because, like, what? look at what happened last year is we ended up with Tavier Thomas playing nickel, uh, and you ended up with MJ Stewart playing a lot of downs at nickel. And now, granted, he had a good a good run around the playoffs with a couple of being in the right spot interceptions, right? Sure. And, and a sure. lot of guys like him. But overall, MJ Stewart is not the guy that I want backing up my nickel cornerback if he does get hurt or have to go play outside. So I think the depth on the outside is fine because of Troy Hill's presence. But I look at these three guys like, hey, I need a guy that can play on special teams, run down the field, make tackles, and a guy that can back up Troy Hill were he to get dinged because those outside guys can't come in, right? Uh, sure. So the, obviously the best choice would be Brian Poole because he's an excellent player. Uh, and I'm surprised that he's still in the free agent market. Um, you know, 77.1 grade PFF grade last year. He's a tremendous player in the nickel. He should be starting somewhere as somebody's nickel cornerback, to be honest. Um, yeah. Coming off surgery, guy, so bear, bear that yeah. in mind. But I, I do think yes. he says he's going to be healthy, so I don't know what yes. the holdup is. He might be waiting on somebody to throw him – some money. I don't, I don't know. He just might be playing the patient game. Sorry, keep going. 
Yeah, I doubt he gets that money coming off of the injury, right? Uh, so we'll yep. see what happens there. I got Nick Nikhil Roby Coleman. He has a, a poor PFF grade last year, but you keep in mind the two years before that were in the 70s, uh, and he is pretty much just a nickel corner, right? A, a slot cornerback, and mm-hmm. then um, and and can do the, you know, he has the infamous uh, pass inter- pass interference play in the uh, Saints game, right? So. Uh, he's infamous for that, but he's a good player. I, I feel like he, he's a good scrappy player. And, and even Darquez Denard, when we're talking about not a great player, but a backup who's better than Tavier Thomas and better than MJ Stewart. So we're just talking about a guy that can provide you some depth and play special teams is what I'm looking for. Yeah, you're right. So what it comes down to is like, I've talked about this with the subscribers in the Ask the Insider section. Like Brian Poole to me makes a ton of sense. So okay, let me backtrack. Outside guys make sense. Listen, if you want to go get Steven Nelson, he's been a successful outside corner with the Steelers. He's he's very good. But does 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 Steven Nelson want to come into a situation that has a first round pick and a second round pick just hovering trying to play? Does he want to compete like that? I don't know. I ultimately don't know what he wants to do and if the Browns are willing to pay somebody that much. If they get a corner, in my opinion, it would be lucking into some sort of cheap deal for Brian Poole because he wants to come in. Nichols are traditionally underpaid anyway. So, like, if they get an outside corner, like Garyon Conley is a name to keep an eye on. He's a guy who's, like, trying to keep his NFL life alive but is adequate enough player uh, as an outside guy. There are others, too. Um, you know, the, the, there are others, too, uh, to keep to keep in mind. But, like, Garyon Bashad Breland, yes, yes, absolutely, as a guy you mentioned. I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off there, but yeah, that's another name. There are plenty of, like, you know, just guys who have found success in the NFL, but they're just hovering in free agency. So, um, you know, what what you want to do is can, you got to think about where these guys are most comfortable. So, like, is Brian Poole going to come into a situation where he might be a backup? Because it, 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 they signed Troy Hill to start. Is, is he comfortable coming into a place where, okay, maybe I'll play? That's that's the thing. He probably wants to play because he's going to get more money. I would love Brian Poole, but this is where guys like Nikel Roby Coleman, who has been around the league, he's got so much experience in the slot. While not, maybe he's lost a step. He's still good enough that if he has to play four games because somebody's hurt uh, or whatever, he probably would be willing to do that. I know for a fact, a friend of mine who um, – Played high school football with him in Florida. Played with me at the D3 level up here in Ohio. Was friends with He's family with him. He's like second cousins. The Browns were seriously talking to him last year. There was 100% a connection. They were in on him, but they didn't want to pay as much as he ultimately went to Philly for. So they were in, and he was interested in Cleveland, but the money wasn't right. So I don't know. There's an interesting thing there that the Browns could be connected to if they go that route. I don't know any connection with Darquez Denard, but he's a fine inside corner player. There are... There are guys that they can get to fill that role, but I definitely don't want to run into MJ Stewart trying to cover Tyreek Hill again. I just don't want to see that stuff. So they have to improve. They've got to add one more minimum. I mean, Denzel can play inside in a pinch. We've seen him go inside and shadow guys. Like, for example, if if um, uh, Pittsburgh or try to think of like, okay, Jamar Chase, say they run Jamar Chase and put him inside and then they motion the back wide. Technically, you become a slot corner at that point. We've seen Denzel do slot stuff. Like he can do it, yeah. but he doesn't. We don't want him doing that. We don't want him inside facing tight ends. We don't want him doing a bunch of those different things. So they would like to avoid that. So that is a position we've thrown out some names. We would sign one of them, whatever their preferences. Sign one of them. Now it comes down to like, who are some of the guys who are fringe cut players? Like when they got Anthony Schwartz, JoJo Natson coming off an ACL's gone. He's a nice guy. He'll be. He'll give him hell in camp, but. He's not going to make the roster. I think they keep six receivers. I think they keep OBJ Landry. We'll get into more of these debates later, but I think they keep OBJ Landry. Uh, they keep, obviously, uh, Richard Higgins. They're going to keep 
DPJ, they're going to keep Anthony Schwartz, and then they're going to they're going to keep Kadero Hodge. They like him. If they didn't keep the six receivers, I'd be stunned. Even though this is not a heavy wide receiver offense, they know about the injury history at the top of this group. They have to keep their they they got to keep guys around that they're comfortable with. So I think JoJo's gone. Nice guy again. Demetric Felton types come in. They can handle kick return duties. Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton are cut. They're they're truly battling for a position. They won't keep four running backs unless they made a really big sh- shocking move and let go of uh, of Andy Janovich, the fullback. I just they didn't use the fullback a ton middle of the year on. They just didn't use it. So is that the offense evolving? Whatever. Like I just think that ultimately that could be a that that would be a pretty big surprise to me if they didn't keep a fourth tight end like Steven Carlson. So Dearness Johnson is tight. Other names on here who you think are gone, Brad? Well, Sheldrick Redwine, I, I, I just am not a fan uh, personally. Uh, I haven't been very happy with his level of play. Even, you know, when he was on the field, I just don't – not a fan of him, you know, from his playing time that he has received. Uh, I don't think he's uh, advanced or gotten better in the time that he's been with the Browns. Uh, I think Richie LeCount takes his job, and I don't think that Sheldrick Redwine is long for the roster, personally. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Richie LeCount. I think he can do everything. Uh, he's a smart, heady player. I, I, I was a big fan of that draft pick, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Mac Wilson is certainly put on notice, right? Like, in the Kansas City game, we talk about, you know, him jumping in the hole on that play and just falling over to the side and and doing ridiculous things like that last year that it was so frustrating to watch him play at times. I, I don't know how long he is for the roster when they bring in a guy like Fields, who is really like a poor man's JOK. Do they want another guy that does the same thing that JOK does to back him up? I mean, in a lot of ways, when you're roster building, that makes a lot of sense. You want guys of the same mold if you're going to be in the same scheme all the time, backing certain people up. Mac Wilson doesn't fit that mold, and he doesn't do one thing good enough. Like, yeah. just, you know, I can say that, like, when I look at the linebacker room, I can say Taki Taki plays the run good enough that I feel like he's a part of the yeah. future of that room. But I can't say that about yeah. Mac Wilson, right? Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. one role. Now, does he have potential? Absolutely. I also would throw Malcolm Smith in there. I know he's a veteran, but I think he's in that same boat of being on that cut bubble in the linebacker yeah. room. And if so he doesn't show up I mean, and play well, if he doesn't, yeah. if any of them don't show up and play well, like Malcolm Smith signed a cheap deal. Like he's, he's definitely on the block. Like he's got to win a job. And you're right. Tony Fields is a fourth, early fifth. Was he a fourth guy? I can't believe it. I remember if that pick ended up staying in the fourth round that they moved back for whatever. Fifth. Nonetheless. Fifth. Fifth yeah. Round. Like they like him a lot. They talked to him, spent time with him. Um, but ultimately you've seen fifth round picks get cut before if somebody outplays yes. them. The Browns are in a win now mode, but I mean, Mac Wilson, if like, if, if he wants to be a Mike and he can play Mike, then he's got like a, a small chance. But the way Jacob Phillips played in that week 17 game, when he slid over to Mike, when BJ Goodson was out with COVID, like, I just don't, I just don't know where Mac fits. Like, I love that he loves playing in Cleveland and he's all about the dog. He's all about that stuff. That's great. I've seen enough guys not want to play in Cleveland that when I do see somebody wants to play in Cleveland, I'm like, that's fine. I'm not pulling against Mac Wilson. Some people on social media are just adamantly against him. I'm not pulling against him. I hope he wins a job, but it's just hard to see a path to do so. Chris Hubbard's coming back off the leg injury. I've heard people tell me he tore his ACL. I've heard people tell me he didn't. He hurt other ligaments. Nonetheless, they said he's on track with his knee recovery, but is he going to be on track enough to be a paid how much he's going to be paid, which is pretty good money along that offensive line. And is he going to be able to be healthy enough to play? So then it's like, okay, James Hudson makes sense. 
you don't yeah. really want to go into the season, Brad, with like James Hudson backing up, uh, you know, your two important tackle positions. You'd really like Chris Hubbard to be healthy enough to ready to go. But, you know, between Hudson, they like Alex Taylor a decent amount. The young offensive tackle that is UDFA guy last year. They like, I know their interior is fine. Uh, between Forbes, Michael Dunn, who I thought Michael Dunn handled Cam Hayward like a champ, man. I was really blown away with Michael Dunn in that wild card game before he got hurt. Big on him. And then Nick Harris is your backup center. Too small to play guard, but he can play center. He can be your backup center. So it's like, I see roles there. Yeah, go ahead. still got like Blake Hance on the roster too. I mean, he came in and filled in for a short period of time. I don't know what they think of him long term, but they got a ton. They have a ton of guys there. Uh, when you go all the way back to like Drew Forbes and stuff, I mean, it, it's a very deep room. It seems like with guys that they like, I mean, not proven guys necessarily, but guys, it seems like they like a lot. Uh, and they so proved last actually, year, Brad, too, that like they can spot start guys and be fine. Like Bill Callahan had these guys spot starting and being fine. So, yeah. you know, take that for what it's worth. And you don't, you know, MJ Stewart, your opinion is, uh, is kind of, unless they just yeah. don't improve there. Right. Yeah, MJ Stewart, Robert Jackson. I mean, these guys are guys that got depended on down the stretch last year, and I just don't want to see that happen again. Yeah, I'm with it, man. I don't want to see it happen again either, and hopefully the Browns realize they're in real contention here, and if you risk something like that uh, happening, it's it's just never going to work out in your favor, and they have enough skill on both sides of the ball now that they need to back themselves with some insurance. So this was a ton of fun, Brad. We're going to touch on so much more of this stuff, man. We got rookie mini camp and OTAs and mandatory mini camps. And we'll find out more. We'll see what they ultimately do. She's like showing up for these things or how it's going to shake out. Hopefully they give us some video work and some sort of content on these things. Cause we're excited to see a lot of these guys. I mean, you know, Grant Delpit still a rookie in my opinion, you know, Jacob Phillips didn't play enough to really be a still a young guy. Like there's, there's a ton of young talent, man, to get to get meshed into what is some fun veterans like John Johnson coming in to fill leadership roles and be and be the the heart and soul of this thing and clowning. I think mean, it's just it's a ton of fun coming, man. So I'm pumped to keep talking about it and and, and go ahead, man. Before we go, yeah. Well, I one question I wanted to ask you about because I wanted to bring it up when you yeah. brought up the roster building, the defensive tackle room. They have just flooded the defensive tackle room with talent, right? Like mm-hmm. so, they brought in Square. Uh, McDowell, who is freakishly talented, been in a lot of trouble. This is like Barry's first time going out on a limb for a guy with character issues. I talked to a guy that met him at, uh, I had him on my show, where he showcased last year at the CGS uh, showcase for free agents. And McDowell was there and he met him. And he said he was very humble and trying to turn around his life and everything. So, I mean, him and then you talk about Marvin uh, Wilson or Mar- Marcus Wilson. I mean, these guys, they have brought a ton of talent into that room. Do you think that's because they don't trust Togi? I mean, there's really only one spot open, and I know you have certain feeling about Elliott. So I guess my question is, do you feel like there's one or two spots available there? I mean, that's a lot of talent they brought in that room. I think they're trying to take as many lotto tickets as they can. They 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 okay. cut Sheldon, who was the most proven guy in the group, because the money didn't equal what he was ultimately worth. He just wasn't going to play $13 million worth of football this year, and they can save that money for something else more important. So, you know, can can you get a Malik McDowell? Maybe, listen, I'm not going to comment. I've talked about this stuff on social media, and it's not my decision to make. And if somebody with, with impeccable character like Andrew Barry wants to take a shot on a guy like that, that's, that's more power to you. I'm all about opportunities for people who turn their lives around. So like, 
if if he's if he's there, maybe he's guy who comes in and and they they keep him on the practice squad or something along those lines uh, until he or maybe he blows them away, Brad, and he he's on he can't keep him off the roster. They they think that that lotto ticket is there. Uh, they they I don't think this what what the signing of these guys tells me is nothing really about Togi. I think they like him. I think they like him a lot. They they took him in the in an important spot for them in a spot that still meant something, and I think they like his future, but. It just tells me that everybody in that room who is unproven. I mean, Malik Jackson's proven some things on the big stage, but his yes. last few years have been unproven. You, you got it. You got to step up and play. Like they don't want Jordan Elliott thinking he's guaranteed a role. I thought Jordan Elliott was pretty bad last year. I've been pretty vocal about it. But can he turn it around, Brad? I do think he can. But he's yeah. got to commit. Like he is. If if he's got to show up in great shape, he's got to show up and play like everyone thinks. He was so slow off the football last year. I just was like confused about this guy who was really productive from a from a metric standpoint in college, who just didn't show up moving well last year. So. I don't know. Listen, listen. What it tells me is that every if I was in that defensive tackle room right now, I'd say every spot's up for grabs. They didn't have Andrew Billings last year. He didn't play. They don't know what he looks like on the field in the Cleveland. They don't know. They don't know what he looks like in Berea. He didn't. You know, they think he's good. They signed him, but he didn't play. So it's like everybody is coming in with a clean slate. Prove your worth, and we'll see, and we'll go from there. Malik and Andrew Billings lead the the, the, the clubhouse. Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai, they've invested in, so they'll be the next to really get the chances to be reserves or starters. And then Mendal and Square are guys that are, can come in and fight. And Marvin Wilson, they paid a lot of money Wilson. too. If Wilson, if Marvin Wilson doesn't make the roster, I'll kind of be surprised because he was pretty dominant for his first two years in college. Last year was a circus in that program leading up to the yeah. season. He gets hurt. Some things are going on. So they got talent, man. I think it'll sort itself out. We talk about it a lot. You've talked about it. I've talked about it. There's enough talent there to make it work. Uh, I think they're trying to give themselves as many different guys in that role as possible so that they can play a nose, they can play a one, they can play a three, they can play a four-eye, like a power edge. They talked about that with the Malik Jackson signing, a guy who can play power edge when they need to in certain situations, or play the bare front that they played against Tennessee early in the game last year and be effective with it. Play that head-up nose and two, two, three techniques and two tight five techniques outside. That's what they want to be able to do, have flexibility. So five of those guys will make the roster, in my opinion. We'll see which five do, but it's going to be a, that'll be a really fun battle because I think there's a lot of talent there. Incredible talent. Wilson's tape from 18 and 19 is incredible. And Malik McDowell, if you go back, I don't know if you watched him when he came out yeah. that year, but I mean, you he was playing inside and outside. He was like a one-man defensive line for them. You can't move him. Like, you yeah. cannot move him. And he's thin and fast and quick and can get to the quarterback. I mean, he, he is an extremely talented guy uh, on the football field if he can get it together off the football field. Hell yeah, Brad. A lot of fun to talk tonight, man. A lot of good topics discussed. You and I will ultimately connect two or three more times this offseason as we yes, do. Sir. I'll jump on your show. You jump on my show. We'll make that always a lot of fun for everybody. Uh, tell everyone where they can find all your work, man, before we part. Yeah, for sure. At the Browns Wire, USA Today Sports Media Group. And uh, I have a show called All Eyes on Cleveland, which is also on YouTube. Check it out and subscribe if you like it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, make sure you check it out. Great guests, man. Ton of ton of great guests that come in that studio and join Brad. And uh, always humbled that he'll he'll take time for me too. And uh, I'll always do the same for him. This is fun. This is about 130 to 140 of you hanging out in here tonight on a on a Mother's Day Sunday. So I appreciate you guys checking us out, spending time with us. If you have not done so, subscribe to Brad's show on YouTube. Check out his channel. Subscribe to our channel so you know when it goes live. And give us a review and a positive feedback on the podcast on uh, Apple or whatever. We're still somehow on Apple. All these podcasts have left, left Apple. I don't know how we're still showing up there. But Kevin at Blue Wire has got the hookup, man. So we're still in. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, this was a ton of fun. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. And uh, hopefully your weekend was great and your time spent with family was great. And uh, Brad and I are going to sign out until we talk next time. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.